Everybody partially saved? I'm fully saved. You're a liar. You are not fully saved. Partially saved is a generous assessment. He has given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment. He didn't get the whole thing. Totally deceived. We're just here to beat you up tonight with the truth. Hear ye, hear ye. Come on, come all. Bring out your dead. If you're not dead, it's good enough. We'll clock you in the head with a two by four. The planks in our eyes. Some hypocrisy to kill you. <laughs> Maybe some Holy Ghost sarcasm to cheer you up. The nightmare is over in the piercings of Christ in your interior castle. Cleaning out all the birds and beasts from your hearts and minds for the new air and the new earth. <clears throat> Thank you, Father, for the fresh crown of thorns cleansing the air. So the old birds in the old air just completely slaughtered by our Prince Michael now. And all our birds with wings. Oh yeah, all our beasts with tails. Fiery serpents under Prince Gabriel. Full release to devour all the other beasts of the field. Cleansing all spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Earthly places, water places, sky places, sun, star, and moon places, blood places, bone places, brain places, bowel places, all places, every dimension, cleaned and cleansed by the armies of Zion in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As there's 33 watchers, love it. It's a full reversal of 33 degree Freemasonry, if you didn't know. Witchcraft is actually quite weak, especially when you get into prophetic revelation. Very, very weak. Thank you, Father. It's good to be here tonight. You guys all in heavenly delight? Taking flight out of sight? All right. <laughs> <laughs> the angels will have to play back on the screens of heaven to you guys the bloopers of pre-Joel's bar. It's pretty crazy around here. <laughs> NC-17 for gore. Yeah, I don't even think we could release this in the theaters. <laughs> I'd have to have parental permission to even download on the internet. <laughs> Glory. I love you guys a lot. It's good to be alive in Christ and dead to sin in our flesh. Salvation is the piercings of Jesus Christ in our souls. Your soul is your spinal cord, your brain, and your heart. And your spirit is in your belly. The Word of God separates bone from marrow, soul from the eternal breath of life, spirit. And it judges the thoughts and intentions of our hearts, Hebrews 4.12. That's one you want to memorize in 125 translations, amen? And memorize them in translations until you translate. <laughs> Revelate until you levitate, and then you'll manifestate. <laughs> right through the pearly gate, formed on the inside you are the gates of God. Psalms 24. Lift up your heads, you ancient gates. So the heads of nations are the gates of nations. Hello? 
You're the heads of your cities. Some of you watching. Actually, many of you. The Spirit says many of you. Oh, you feel that? Oh. I can feel the gates of your cities. Because it's your heads, your foreheads. Your renewed mind is a gate. Psalms 24. That's the one you want to read. Glorious psalm. Anybody afraid of the scriptures? That's a good one to start in. Psalms 24. I've never read that scripture since I've been born again 21 years and not been encouraged by it because it's so happy clappy. It's not like lamentations where it's like drudgery. God, do I really have to read that verse? No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. You don't have to read stuff that is like absolute drudgery. He meets you where you're at. And if you can only handle the happy, claffy, fluffy bunnies and unicorns and stuff, that is totally cool for the first several years that you're a Christian. He will give you several years of nursery in the Garden of Eden, in the fresh, tender, green pastures, in the still, refreshing, quiet waters. There he restores your souls. He doesn't throw you into the heat of the battle when you're a baby because he's not a murderer that would kill you. <laughs> there are all kinds of different ranks in the armies of the living God. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that comes and taunts and intimidates and mocks and ridicules the armies of the living God, David said. <laughs> you understand that? There are huge and massive armies here of not just angels and every class of angel, every class of seraphim, every class of cherubim. There are creatures here. There are transfigured men and women. Enoch, the cloud of witnesses is always with you. You're never alone. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of innumerable angels. It is written. When you're isolated and under fallen angels, you feel like you're alone. You're not alone. You're deceived. So, in order to come out of the deception of the older prodigal son of Luke 15, that's another one you want to study and get deep and just chew on it like cud. You chew on it when a sheep, when Jesus referred to his good people as sheep, it wasn't derogatory. It was the livelihood and the prosperity of Israel. It wasn't a negative thing. It was an honor to be a shepherd. Do you understand that? David was a shepherd. The word pastor means shepherd. It was high honor. People say sheeple now, and they mock the pastoral role. The role It was the highest honor to be referenced as a shepherd. The shepherds of Bethlehem were like royalty. Do you understand that? I don't think you do. The shepherds of Bethlehem would pastor the sheep of spotlessness. So when the spotless lamb was sacrificed by the high priest every year in the Holy of Holies, that sheep was shepherded by the shepherds, the pastors of Bethlehem. In the same pasture lands of the ancient King David himself. We're talking about royalty. Nobody messed with those shepherds. They were untouchable because of the Jewish lineage of King David, so honored by even rebellious kings. Nobody messed with that in Israel. That was an untouchable realm by every king from David to Solomon passed down. Even to this present time, it's honored. It's honored by the nations. I mean, yeah, of course, there's some strife with the Muslims and stuff. But I'm telling you, that is a highly regarded and honored area that no one goes there. And so when you hear people be derogatory of sheep and shepherds, it's just the blasphemy of the demons. That does not exist in reality. Those are the demons mocking the role of the great shepherd, Psalms 23. To be a sheep was a high privilege. Listen, can you imagine the sheep being set apart for the annual sacrifice by the high priest of Israel in the Old Covenant. <laughs> and that sheep now is Jesus Christ, the Lamb that was slain. You have to come into that understanding. Born in Bethlehem, born 
under the ancient shepherds. Why is are the shepherds, Merry Christmas, in the Christmas story? Why did you have shepherds in the Christmas story? Because Jesus was the lamb born in Bethlehem. And the shepherds came that were pastoring the sheep for the old covenant's holy of holy high priest sacrifice. And here's the last sheep to be slaughtered by the high priest of God the Father. No more types and shadows, guys. Oh, man. If that doesn't touch your heart, you're dead inside. <laughs> this is the final sheep offering, Israel. Behold the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen? So that is the sheep and the shepherd. To be a sheep is the highest privilege. Out of my sheepfold I raised my servant David, Psalm says. Meaning, for years, I mean, God didn't even let me minister until I was fat with revelation. You understand that? Just years and years of feasting and and just experiencing the word and going deep into the word, into the depths of the glory of the word, the anointing of the word, the squeezing and the pressure of the word, going into the word like encounters through the gates of heaven. Each word is an oracle from God, and each word is a carrier device of an experience in God from Genesis to Revelation. And if you can't experience the severity yet, that's wonderful because there are times and seasons for lambs alone. Understand infancy growing into maturity. <laughs> God loves infants because he's not a murderer. But then the Apostle Paul with the Father's heart says, By now some of you should be teachers, but you're still infants in Christ, milking the bottle. And Jesus said it's about three years. And if an infant rejects going into maturity, what happens to them? They're cut down and thrown into the fire. Have you noticed that? If an infant rejects going after years and years and years, I'm not saying right away, but if they eat and eat and eat and then don't grow from what they're eating and don't bear its fruit for God the Father, they turn back and they turn into pillars of salt. 100% of the time. That's how you have so much error in the world as people stay in their poopy diapers and if you stay infants too long and just keep eating and don't grow up according to the discipleship and the hand of God the Father on your souls, on your brains with his angel armies, you actually die. It's like um, a chicken or a chicklet that stays inside the egg. Do you understand if it doesn't hatch and come out of the egg, it physically dies and ceases to exist. It heart, its heart stops. It's dead. And then it becomes fertilizer in the dirt for the next batch of hopefully things that will hatch and bear fruit and continue multiplying God the Father's seed in the earth. Our problem is we're scared to hatch. We're afraid. Fear is the number one thing that keeps us in shells so that we die and don't break the shell to go into the next level of maturity. We're clinging to our blankie and our pacifier. <laughs> we're, we're bold in the areas of rebellion. We're bold in the areas of sorcery because our mind is confident in the world, which is sin. But we're very timid and bashful in the things of the kingdom of heaven because we barely even know him. And so when we begin to know him by feasting on his flesh, and drinking his blood in his pastures, in his nurseries, and the lambs grow up to be sheep, and the lambs grow up to be rams, <laughs> and the lambs grow up. Guess what happens when you grow up? You get sacrificed. <laughs> if you think you can avoid being sacrificed in your soul, you can't ever be a mature Christian. So we have the truth, 99% of Christians, and it's more than that, it's more than 99%, refuse to mature. That's why they persecute the mature things of God, because they themselves have rejected being a sacrifice. You can't reject. God feeds his lambs to be sacrificed by the high priest who is God the Father himself, book of Revelation, on the golden altar. Is God into human sacrifice? Yes, 9,000%. God 
is a human sacrificer for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to die for it. Born to die to be the Lamb of God and anyone that does not die in Christ and is sacrificed in all their soul after feasting on his word has no share with him in the kingdom of heaven. So the problem is and why there's so much persecution and frustration in the nations is because people think they can stay infants in Christ and get away with it all their lives and persecute the mature things of Christ. God's not going to allow that in this generation. God is going to say, hey, it's time to grow up. You've had 2,000 years of Christianity. You have 2,000 years of prophets, apostles, teachers, evangelists, and good pastors. Of course, the bad ones always stick out like sore thumbs. The tares are terrible. The wheat are wonderful. Go figure. If you can focus on the wonderful wheat and the wonderful sheep and the good ones and the negativity doesn't influence you, you'll have a positive day every day. Don't let the negativity get you rotten like they're rotten. You don't have to drink the wormwood, the star that fell from heaven. You never have to get bitter. You can always get better. Jesus was offered sour wine and sweet wine on the cross. Two different wines. The wine of bitterness, where I'm going to condemn everyone that's murdering me. He never drank that wine. He spit it out, the Bible says. The Bible does say that he drank the sweet wine. Come on. Love or bitterness. You either get better or bitter. That's the two cups of Sodom and Salem that are offered into your mouth to drink by the external angels every day. Mm -hmm. There are angels offering you nations, every man, woman, and child, cups to drink every day. You might not be aware of it, but everything that happens from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep is angelic continuously. This is an angelic world. It's transitioning from fallen angel world, the old order, into holy angel world, the new world order. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? I like that. <laughs> yep. We're the new world order. Hallelujah. <laughs> the new birds and the new beasts. And they're way worse than the fallen birds and the fallen beasts. That's why Satan has only persecuted Christian maturity. He doesn't care about anything else. Nothing else is a threat to Satan and his angels. To the chief of the beasts of all the field. Nothing except you growing in Christ crucified in your souls. The cross getting bigger is the only threat to Satan. Why? Because he's only defeated at the cross. You are given crosses. That cross is the size of the tree of life and Jesus Christ's royal Jewish bloodline growing in your hearts. Amen. Jewish serpent blood hung up on a pole that if anyone believes in the Jewish king, the serpent king, on the pole, what serpent? Flesh. The serpent flesh of Jesus hanging on the pole of Calvary, hanging on the tree of Calvary Street. Anyone that believes in it is saved. Come on. <laughs> it's important. Hallelujah. You take the glory off of someone, they're serpents. You have the glory crucifying your flesh, they're sheep. <laughs> What's a goat? They're not serving the Father. They're serving themselves. <laughs> they're not about the Father's glory. They're about selfish glory, vain glory. It's everywhere. And there's a mixture. Jesus Christ said in his own ministry, his testimony was it was 50% goats and 50% sheep. You think it's any different today in Christianity? My experience in full-time ministry the last 15 years is it's been about 99% selfishness, serving the ego, serving Jezebelic witchcraft rebellion Christianity, and about 1% interested in growing their cross. A lot of talkers, very few walkers. Why? Because you've been force-fed a Babylonian 
worldly Christianity that has less than zero to do with the Christianity of Apostle Paul, Apostle John, Apostle Peter, and Apostle Jesus Christ. Less than zero. What you experienced here is a cultural form and a twisting of what Jesus actually brought. It's a human interpretation. John's baptism, was it from man or from God? And they dared not answer him, lest they be stoned to death, because everyone believed John was a prophet. Meaning, if it's from man, you're going to be stoned to death? That's what the Bible says. You understand that? If you have a human Christianity, it's completely and entirely satanic. <laughs> I mean, that's the standard of Israel in the days of Jesus Christ. If anything was human and not from God, it was totally demonic, and everyone in that culture understood that to the point they dared not respond. Wow, sounds like they had some understanding, huh? <laughs> you say human in American culture, they're like, yeah, that's good, it's good to be human. You say it in Jewish culture 2,000 years ago, you'd be stoned to death. Do you understand the difference of cultures? put that into the context today and it's like what is Christianity is it even divine at all do we have the standard of agape or phileo do you know the number one stumbling block over the years has been phileo love human love niceness of emotions not requiring the cross no crucifixion of the ego no crucifixion of the human feelings which is the most satanic part of you. The greatest manipulation on earth is in the emotions and feelings of your hearts. That's why you can't serve Jesus unless your feelings and emotions in the flesh and blood of your beating hearts are crucified by the tree of life. There's zero chance you'll ever walk with him because you'll get emotional, you'll get offended, your feelings will lead you astray. That's the places the fallen angels tempt you people. You can't be a disciple and be emotional, but you can't have the fruit of the cross, of his blood, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, godliness, righteousness. And one of the fruits is good works. There'll be some fruits of good works too. Once in a while, God will ask you to do some works, but that's a fruit, just like joy. Amen? There are whole sects of Christianity where it's all about works. That is paganism. That's voodoo, doo-doo. Voodoo, doo-doo. Doo-doo. Or you got a doo-doo for a false father called a sorcerer, like suck-up anointing, like brown-nosing, like God accepts you by what you do. <laughs> if that were true, we didn't need the Messiah. The Old Covenant was all about that. That's what Levitical code is. You're good by obeying the law. And we realized through the Old Covenant and all the tragedies of the Old Testament, when you begin to read it, it's like, is there anything good in there? No, purposely not, because man's righteousness is filthy rags. Book closed. Now let's have Jesus Christ, our righteousness, imparted by grace through faith alone. Come on. <laughs> But the problem is, is that the Old Covenant has mixed so much with the New Covenant, we're filled with sorceries of old birds and old beasts. And so that has been the number one strategy of the demons and the fallen angels of the heavens and the earth and under the earth of the fallen universe is to imprison the covenant people in the strange fire of the sons of Aaron. In the strange fire of the sons of who are the, remember the sons of the uh, priest that was working with Samuel? Can't remember his name right now because I'm so high. <laughs> I was revelating in these realms last night and so it's just fresh manna. And these priests would, were sleeping with the women in the temple. <laughs> Bible actually says they were raping the girls. They were stealing the money. And, and Samuel's the young boy growing up in the temple, watching his mentor's sons steal, kill, and destroy. This is all in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> the Bible is NC-17 for sex, drugs, and rock and roll. There's nothing crazier than the Holy Bible. <laughs> it doesn't exist. The Necronomicon and the Satanic Bible don't even compare to how wild the Holy Bible is. So, 
the mentor's children of Samuel growing up in the temple to be the high priest of holiness, to represent God the Father accurately for your prophetic understanding, these boys and men that he'd look at, so he would have a righteous indignation towards strange fire, a righteous indignation towards people that mock the holy sacred things of God. And that grew in Samuel. That was part of how Samuel represented God the Father so accurately in his prophetic ministry. Amen? Samuel was a judge that was so revered by the tribes of Israel that nobody even questioned his seat. It was just total sovereignty, and Samuel was the last judge. Remember, he anointed Saul because people wanted a king, and Samuel wrestled with the father and said, that's not the perfection. It's not perfection because it's partially external. They're going to judge externally. They're going to judge by looks. They're going to judge by physical strength and not by the strength of the Holy Spirit and the angels. They're not going to judge by the strength of the anointing. They're not going to judge by the strength of the angel of the Lord. Or they're going to judge by the strength of man and become like the pagan nations that surround Israel. And so it grieved Samuel's heart. And so Samuel wrestled with God, but God said, give them what they want. Give them their externalism. Let them learn the hard way. And God the Father allowed his precious sons and daughters. What does it mean? Israel. Israel means son of God or daughter of God. Israelite. To be a prince with God or princess with God. Son and daughter of God. So we say we're the sons and daughters of God. But in Hebrew, the word is Israel and Israelite. That's what an Israelite is. To be a son and daughter. Simple as that. This ain't complicated stuff. Don't over-spiritualize it. This is not mystical. This is Let's demystify it. These were the sons and daughters of God. And they wanted what the world had. And God let them have what the world had so they could learn wisdom. God lets people fall so that the people that want to grow can learn wisdom. God anointed Samuel knowing that it was wrong in every single way. Because he knows the heart. See, this guy is not going to make it. But the people wanted it. So the people got what they wanted, and all the people, all the sons, all the daughters, every single person except Samuel in the entire nation was completely and totally deceived and wrong. Isn't that true? That's what the Bible says. But they got it anyway, and they learned the hard way that following Saul, following human ways, Saul represents the religious ways, the religious flesh, external appearances, external laws, doing everything wrong in religious idolatry. Every step of Saul, you learn what not to do through external religious idolatry, following the specks and planks of your unrenewed minds. That you might learn from the boy David and the man Samuel, righteousness and God's holy ways and why you must be set apart from external judgments and external religion. That is the moral of the story of the Bible. To set you apart from the world. To honor God's holiness. To honor God's severity. And what does Samuel do? He takes the sword and goes up and chops the enemy king to pieces without even thinking about it. That's holiness, guys. Now Saul was the nice one. He's like, I'm going to keep him around. He's valuable. He's precious. This dude's worth a lot of money. That's why he kept him. Valuable. He valued more the idolatry of the wealth of the external realm than the value of obedience to the things he couldn't understand that would require sanctification in the heart of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we all do too, thousands of times, until we get to that place of holiness of the prophet Samuel. Come on. That's the place of maturity. That's why I'm teaching on it tonight. He wants you to go past Saul, understanding all the lessons of Saul that you've learned in external religion, external Christianity, external do's and don'ts, external rights and wrongs, and go into the internal realm of the Father's heart. What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? To embrace the full circumcision of the sword of the Lord 
so that you could be the true mature sons and daughters. Because listen, guys, infants in Christ cannot change the world. Satan's not even angry most of the time when people become born-again Christians. Why? Because he knows they'll never mature. Fallen angels can see your level of commitment. That's why persecution's different to every Christian. Some have zero. Why? Because there's zero threat to the old birds and the old beasts of the one-third that fell. Zero. So they have no persecution. Their life just cruises on autopilot. There's no hiccups. You know, you look at them and they're just going on vacations and their businesses run like flowing oil. And you just wonder why they have it so easy because Satan doesn't even pay attention to them. No beast, no bird gives them a hard time. It's like they don't exist because there's so little threat to the old world. <laughs> there's so little threat to the Levitical code of Jenes and Jambres. Jannes and Jambres matured and has become religious Christianity. Remember, all the ministers of good and evil, right and wrong in the world today are Christians, are Jews and Muslims too, but it's all external religion and Christianity is just one of those external religions when you're of the old order. And so you can be a part of that old world order, that old time religion, or when you circumcise your heart, you'll see there's another way that's altogether other from all the Saul in the world. What is all the Saul in the world? It's all external religions. It's all New Age. It's all Christianity. It's all Judaism. It's all Islam. It's all Buddhism, Taoism. It's all external religion. All of it is just Saul. That's what Saul represents. Externalism. Colossians chapter 2 is an entire chapter in the Bible so that you could possibly repent from externalism and practice Christ in you. The hope of realizing the holy glory of what it means to be a Christian, which is living out of the Father's heart, beginning to know His ways, His thoughts, and not the world's ways, and not the fallen angel's thoughts and the beast's thoughts. <laughs> to be separated from the world, to be made holy, for God the Father and the Lamb. See, when we're not separated and we're worldly, we have problems with the separation because the separation is a death to Saul in us. A death to external religion that has the appearances of good and the fruit was good in their eyes of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what the Bible says. This is all the curse of the fall we're dealing with, with angelic wisdom today. Because you have to learn this stuff, otherwise you cannot walk with Jesus. There's no other way here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. And he says the way is a narrow path, and it's only through the eye of the needle, which is the eye of the one man, Jesus. Out of all the men that have ever lived, out of all the women who have ever lived, there's only one man, one eye, the flesh and eye of Jesus, the eye of the needle. Unless you go through his eye, you will never know God in a hundred million years. There is no one that can lead you to God except the eye of Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Amen. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, <laughs> so that you also could become the eye of God. Mm. First, you have to know his eye. You have to get rid of every other eye that's on you. All the idolatry of the eyes. What eyes are looking at you? You know what it's called in angelic wisdom? Horus, of the whore of Babylon. Horus is all the eyes that don't matter. <laughs> it's all the mind's eyes right here in your forehead, yeah, that don't matter. Hallelujah. They don't matter. The only eye that matters is the one eye of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm the eye of the needle, he says. No one can go to the Father except through that little tiny... That's why, well, then who can be saved, they said. This is impossible. No, it's not. God is one man. God is one man in one body of flesh. Anyone that says that Jesus is not in the flesh, 
is an antichrist, Apostle John says. Come on. Jesus stands about 5 foot 11 in the flesh. Looks like an average Joe. But he's not. That's God. That's the creator. He might come in his regal garments. I doubt it. Because he wants to grow you in humility. <laughs> in fact, he says, what you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. Jesus has been showing up to you inside the least of these, around your mind, around your eyes, your entire lives since birth in this earth. Rarely do we recognize them. Why? Because we're so prideful. Pride is the blindness of the fallen angels. They'll never understand. They'll never understand one thing of Jesus. They can't because pride is blindness. It's deadness to God. So you have to humble yourself to come to God. Without humility, nobody can ever know Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or the Father. And the humility is an ever-increasing humility. It's not a one-time humbling. It's, what does Heidi Baker say? I must get smaller. I must get tinier and tinier. I'm growing down. You want to grow up? Not me. I want to grow down. Growing lower and lower and lower. Doing the limbo every day. Getting our heads decapitated like sheep to the slaughter every day. So that layer of layer upon layer of pride can come off our eternal spirit in Christ by grace. That's called the renewing of the mind. <laughs> and then you begin to see, but you realize how blind you were before. And that's what it takes to walk with Jesus, is a revealing of how prideful we are. And not being condemned by it, being forgive, forgiven of it. Using his blood, drinking his blood. This isn't to expose. This is to transform. The Holy Ghost convicts. The difference between conviction and condemnation is the conviction of the Holy Ghost versus the condemnation of the religious demon. Conviction transforms. Condemnation destroys the soul and separates them from God in an orphan spirit. Some of you have an orphan spirit. That's what's choking right now. Holy Ghost. You can get that out of you. Hallelujah. <laughs> A spirit of condemnation that comes like on Saul's head. Remember that? Why? Because that's the God he served. He served the religious devil. When you serve devils, guess what you get? Demons. When you serve lies, you get the fruit of lies. And snakes begin to hatch. And all the lies that you believe in your heart. And you're birthing serpents. You know? Lilith who married Satan, his first wife, who birthed 100 demons per day. Hebrew Jewish manuscripts say. Wow. <laughs> this was a, a created being, a woman, that didn't come from Adam's ribs, <laughs> but it was created by God and left Adam to marry Satan. Her name's Lilith. Some of you who come out of the occult know about her. It was Satan's first bride and began to birth demons. And so people would worry about, oh, put a mark on me, because when I leave Adam and Eve, all those people out there are going to kill me, all those things out there. Why? Because Lilith had already married Satan and was birthing demons. They're called the beasts of the field, and they want to kill, steal, and destroy you. You were born into Gehenna. Hello? Gehenna means hell. You were born into the beasts of the field of hell. Under Satan, the chief of the beasts of all the field. That's what the Bible says. People are in denial. It's not that it's truth anyhow. My God. They try to cover it up with religious fluff, but it's right there. Just about one millimeter under the skin of all the nations. You're born into Pol Pot's killing fields. It's a miracle. If you're my age, you're even here. One out of three of anyone between 20 and 40, 20 and 45, was murdered in Roe versus Wade. One out of three between 20 and 40 is dead in the USA. This wasn't just Herod killing 
the babies in Jesus' day with one generation. This is like two generations. This has never happened before in the history of the world. This isn't common, guys. This is the most severe, extreme, demonic activity of the beasts of the field, of the demons that has ever existed. And the Christians are such infants that they just put their head under the sand like an ostrich and just say, oh, everything's good, everyone's good, let's just be nice to everyone. It's not love, it's foolishness, it's total immaturity. It's allowing the demons to rule your cities and nations. And if you get mature, you'll have to face the beasts of the field. You're going to have to become exorcists. One of our old breaker clothing t-shirts was, I heart exorcisms. I used to wear that all the time because that's all I ever did was destroy demons everywhere I went. <laughs> and then, it's like, God, can you use me for something else? This is horrible, disgusting work every day. He's like, no one wants to do the horrible, disgusting work. You're willing to do anything. It's like, okay. Forgive me for complaining. I don't mind dealing with demons and beasts and horrible foul birds continuously. That's my calling. That's what you do on the front lines. All you do is continuously war and get covered in hot demon blood constantly. Amen. People want the hot blood of Jesus and they want hot chocolate and marshmallows. Well, the soldiers of the armies of the living God want hot demon blood and their sword dripping wet my sword with their blood hallelujah because it's stolen blood anyway isn't it uh-huh they've been sucking the nations like vampires and sucking from mostly the saints horror babylon drunk on the blood of the saints where'd they get that blood the saints like immature idiots gave the horror babylon their blood because they were taught to be nice to their enemies that's how you empowered the fallen angels you idiots you're the ones that got them fat and powerful. No one is to blame except the infants in Christ. If we don't mature, they'll suck your blood forever and you'll keep fueling the kingdom of hell, the foul birds and the beasts forever. That's not gonna happen. That's why I'm severe. Because that's the only thing that causes the enemy to have power is when Christians give up their inheritance of the power of his blood to demons and birds, which are fallen angels. Some have wings. Half of them have wings, half of them crawl on the dirt. There's all kinds of different fallen angels, just like there's all kinds of different holy angels. One third of all the angels fell, so you have every different type of demonology. The Book of Enoch talks about all of them. Very important stuff because you need to know you're at war. Put on the full armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6, and taking the sword of the Spirit, stand. Stand against what? spiritual wickedness in the heavens the earth and under the earth and it only works through human flesh and blood and so we're like what does the bible say about the foolish they beat against the air they're beating against the air the enemies in the air the enemies in flesh and blood usually your brothers and sisters your family members and your children and in you <laughs> me first so there's no hypocrisy then recognize he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies who were his enemies? The members of your own household will be your enemies, Jesus Christ said in the red letters. Your enemies will be the members of your own household. It is written in the eternal gospel. Read the Bible. Why? They're the only ones that could stop you. Because you might listen to them. And they will shut down the tree of life from growing in your hearts. Not going to happen in this generation. We have too much wisdom. We've learned from our past mistakes. We're not going to come into covenant with the dead and the damned and the realm of the dead pretending to be good Christianity inside our brothers and sisters, inside our friends, inside our family, inside other ministers, inside our disciples. Listen, Jesus called Peter his rock and then he called Peter Satan in the Bible, red letters. How can you be the rock of Satan? Because it's about birds and beasts. Don't be foolish. These birds and beasts can jump in your ignorance. My people perish for lack of revelation knowledge. These beasts and birds will jump in you like Mr. Smith in the Matrix. Any area you have sin in you, a beast and a bird can possess you and use you momentarily. You guys feel it every day. Don't be in denial. They're jumping in and out of you all the time, influencing your thoughts, your actions, your ways. 
every day. And let's expose them and bring it into the light so it can stop all demonic activity and cease its maneuverings in your hearts, your blood, your brains, your bones, your cities, and your nations so that we can have finally Solomon's peace from David's warfare. We're going to transition very soon from David's spiritual warfare and natural warfare against beast and bird and against Saul. And look how he treated Saul. He let Saul take himself out. Wisdom. Showing the mercies of God, showing the love and compassion of God, demonstrating the anointing of God. This is how you do it. You don't chuck the spears back at Absalom and Saul and all these backstabbing, betraying idiots. You just let them kill themselves. You have to protect people. You might have to bring some revelation. You might have to bring and expose to the council of elders all the wrongdoing of the hypocrites. You might have to talk about Jennies and Jambres. You might have to mature the infants. You might have to explain things. But you don't participate in the same spiritual wickedness that they're in. You don't join the spirit of Judas. You don't join the spirit of Balaam. You don't join the spirit of Jezebel. You don't join the spirit of idolatry, the spirit of Satan, the spirit of this world. You stay in the Holy Ghost and you use wisdom to mature everyone through everything they go through in life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And eventually the armies of David became real. It wasn't just the Gadites, his champions. <laughs> it became a major movement. Didn't it? He came from outside of religious involvement. He was outside the synagogue structure. He was outside the business structure. It was organic, free-range, grassroots movement. David, and then the son of David, Jesus Christ. Same exact ways. The ways of God. He's not coming through your church systems. He's not coming through the charismatic church. Revival's not coming through the charismatic church. Not the real revival. You can fake and flake it all you want with your strange fire. It'll burn out, fizzle out. There'll be nothing there. The true floods of the seven pillars of the blood of wisdom will come outside of all religious establishments. All it will come outside the seven mountains. It's a different mountain entirely. It's Calvary. It's the New Jerusalem. And it's rising in your hearts. It's the bright morning star. It's the throne of the Lamb. It's the cross of the tree of life planted in you, now matured to fill your whole hearts with God the Father's light so that His love would transform this world. And His love is so different than phileo love. His agape sacrificial love slaughters all Egyptian pride into the Red Sea. That's how He comes from Calvary. That's how He'll remove the scales for every eye to see. In the eye of Horus, the horror of Babylon's vision will be turned to darkness like the sorcerers in the book of Acts. The dark cloud of Jennies and Jambres will come upon them as the stars are cast down into the Red Sea. Over all nations, all tribes, all tongues, devoured by the blood of Jesus. That's the seven pillars working through this world. The pillars of the New Jerusalem. The pillars of the government of God. The pillars of the government of the New Jerusalem. The pillars of the government of the New Israel. New Jerusalem, New Israel. New sons, new daughters. Are where? In the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Anyone who does not believe in him will be utterly cut off from the people, Moses said of this man. You are only an Israelite. You are only Jewish. If you are in Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, in his cross, carrying your cross, and his blood of his cross is growing up inside you to learn God's ways, the true Davidic order, the tabernacle of David, outside of all synagogue of Satan, outside of all churches of Satan, all religion, all institutions, all of it will be completely and totally devoured by the seven pillars of his seven piercings of Calvary. This is the lamb that was slain once and for all. Anyone who believes in him begins to grow in wisdom. Stay reliant on his sacrifice and his sacrifices pass through your souls and become the same exact sacrifices. You think your sacrifice has rewards? It doesn't. That's blasphemy. That's offering rat's blood to God. 
Human sacrifices apart from his sacrifice are the offerings of swine's blood. It is blasphemy. People blaspheme left and right because they don't know anything about God's ways. It has to be through Jesus Christ's sacrifices, Jesus Christ's pierced hands, through your pierced hands, Jesus Christ's pierced feet, through your pierced feet, Jesus Christ's pierced side, through your pierced side, Jesus Christ's pierced skull, through your pierced skull, Jesus Christ's pierced will, through your pierced back and spinal cord. His piercings are your promised land. The sweat of his brow is blood. That's now the blood of the wine of the new covenant. When it comes forth through your forehead, you will do the greater works. The internal bruising is the total internal transfiguration of your inner man. You'll be bruised. Why? Because you've served demons and we're bruising all the kingdom of hell that's only contained inside human flesh and blood. Molech ain't out there. Molech is not in Bohemian Grove. Don't be foolish. <laughs> Don't be mocked by the fallen angels. Don't be mocked by the sorcerers. Don't be foolish, paranoid, fearful sheep. Be wise sheep. Keep eating the good pastures of the good shepherd and grow up in wisdom and understand demons, devils, sorcerers, hell, the whole kingdom of all the enemies of Christ. Philippians 3.18 Christ has many, many enemies, it is written, are all inside the containers of human flesh and human blood and Jesus told you your enemies will be the members of your own household it's not out there it's not some distant nation it's no further than your dinner table it's no further than your Joel's bar studio as you've seen this season the principalities powers thrones many and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places are only working through the people around you and how do you do it you grow in the cross and you crucify them you crucify yourself, you crucify them, and that's how you know them by the fruit of their blood. If they resist the cross and its piercings in any area of their heart, brain, and bones, in their will, in their attitude, in the decisions of their heart, in the depths of their bowels of their heart, in the roots of their heart, if there is any resistance towards the piercings of Jesus Christ crucified to death, they're full of devils 9,000% of the time. Amen? It's true. And when it's revealed, guess what? You'll have a cleansed air. You'll have new air with new birds. You'll have a new earth with new beasts, the fiery serpents of Archangel Gabriel, of the underworld of the new earth, which, is, which works only inside the bowels of all the nation's hearts. And they're devouring all the lying serpents. Everything that's been hatched from lies will be swallowed up in victory. Every bit of light that was stolen from the stars of God's creation will be returned to the holy ones of Israel who do God's will. Amen. So you have new birds that will rest on new branches of new fruit-bearing Israelites, says the Lord God Almighty. Amen. And I pray every single one of you makes the journey, finishes strong, keeps bearing fruit, doesn't turn back into the old order, and lets the cross grow up in their hearts, in their eyes, in their mind, that they may walk with Jesus and bear all the fruit of God the Father and the kingdom of heaven on earth. Amen. And then you'll be richly rewarded. You'll have tremendous rewards, tremendous honor in the kingdom of heaven forever and the new world that's coming forth through the birthing of the sons and daughters of God. Through the floods, there will be honor. And through the floods, there will be praise and thanks. Through the floods, there will be a restoration of all things and times, all seasons and everything the canker worm, the unrenewed brain of the nations has stolen from the nations will be restored sevenfold. The thief has been caught stealing. It is written. This will happen quickly in our day. In the name of Enoch, in the name of Adam, in the name of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, in the name of the prophets, the apostles, the kings, and the judges. Amen. Bless you guys. Support this ministry. Remember us during the Christmas season. We want to purchase lights for our arena and stadium in Africa. About $1,500 if you want to give into our missions work in Arlem, Africa. We have that need right now. 
I would love to buy stadium lights for our 600-person arena, arena in Nairobi, Kenya. You have faith for it? I know you do. It's effortless. All you gotta do is write a check, you spell it M-I-L-L-I-O-N, and send it to Red Letter Ministries, P.O. Box 18188, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55418. And be blessed. We love you guys. We'll see you Tuesday. Amen.